1: to try to crack the mystery you have to supply assumptions about what must have happened in the distant past. There's no direct evidence because no one was there to witness the event and there's virtually no fossil record. What we never observe, ever, is non-living chemicals forming a cell. So in a sense we have a field of research where the important action has already happened. The primordial history of Earth is indeed an incomplete narrative. Yet, despite an absence of physical evidence, most scientists believe that life started when energy sparked non-living matter in the planet's oceans, crust, and atmosphere to create building blocks for the first self-replicating cell. When you come to the origin of life, the rules, and this isn't the science itself, this is the underlying philosophy, The rules say to solve the problem, you can use matter and energy and natural law, natural regularities and chance processes, but that exhausts your toolkit. What you're not allowed to use fundamentally by the rules, so-called rules of science, is mind or intelligence. If you had to attach a name to this position, you can't do better than scientific materialism. A philosophy that tells you the only acceptable explanation has to be rendered in terms of matter and energy. And if you can't solve the problem using those tools, you're not allowed to change the rules. So from that perspective, how did life come to be via matter and energy alone? Now try to solve the problem. Sorry, we seem to
0: be having some technical difficulties. In other news... uh... (laughs)
1: I'm Bruce Nolan for Eyewitness News. Back to you, fuckers. The gloves are off, God.
2: God has taken my bird and my bush. God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass. Smite me, Almighty oh smiter. Now,
1: I'm not much for blaspheming, but that last one made me laugh. Are you spying on me? Who are you?
2: I'm the one. Creator huh? Creed of the heavens and the earth. Alpha and Omega. Oh, I see where
1: this is going. Bruce? I'm God. Bingo Yahtzee! Is that your final answer? Our service has God! Bing, ding, bing, ding, 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 ding! Well, it was nice to meet you, God. Thank you for the Grand Canyon, and good luck with the apocalypse. Oh, and by the way, you
0: suck! So what's up, brother? We're back. We're here on the Recording
2: in Progress. <laughs> We're
0: recording? <laughs> We're here recording. Um, no, I thought you were recording because you asked for permission. Did I jump I'm the gun? Re- I'm I'm recording. Oh God! All right, I'm recording. Cool. Well, here we are on a "My Family Thinks I'm Crazy" one-on-one swap cast. I thought this would be a good way to promote our our Patreon show that we do together each on each other's respective Patreons. So take your pick. You can support one of us or you can support both of us. Either way, you listen to this show that we do. And we definitely have been focused on alchemy. It hasn't it hasn't been consistent, but that's our yeah. main through line. And you're more familiar with this book than I, but I found it at the used bookstore last week, and it was synchronistic because on the first two pages... Uh, When the author is talking about his beloved father, he mentions that his father had a copy of Flammarion, Camille Flammarion's book called The World Before the Creation of Man. And I'm like, what the heck? Because we were just talking about Camille Flammarion in one of our Falconelli episodes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, here it is coming up again. Of course it's in French, so you know, not easy to find, but I typed in the name of the the title of the book in French. And what's weird is that a PDF comes up, but it's a PDF in English called The Magic Lamp or something like that. So it's a completely different book. It's not The Creation mm-hmm. of the World or The World of The World Before the Creation of Man. Which sounds like a crazy title. Um, Apparently, has something to do with genealogy, Darwin, Darwinism, and paleontology. That's at least what Google Books. Written by Flamarion. Yeah, that's how Google Books classifies it. It, it, When you look up the title under images, you get a image of the title page, which is a dinosaur. Like it features like an 18th or a 19th century. Kind of dinosaur drawing, you know what they thought of when they first discovered dinosaurs, kind of like
2: scaly bears, almost like so I did a um an episode with with a very controversial figure the other day there it is la lamont
0: avant la creation de la
2: la monde avant <laughs> la creation. I'm sorry. So I have a lot of French listeners, so shout out to them. The, I did an episode with Kent Hovind, which is a very controversial figure. And he's all about dinosaurs in the Bible and 6,000. So he'd say he's a, a creationist. creationist from the Genesis point of view. And, yeah, he he says that yeah, dinosaurs were real because well, I know that's so. I'm is he a literal
0: people. creationist? Is in he? Liter- he takes the Bible for its literal. 100%.
2: Okay. And here's the thing: because let's say that there is an agenda to push everyone away from Christianity or God or whatever, destroying dinosaurs because you go oh, the word dinosaur wasn't in existence until eighteen. Da, da, da. Yeah, the word dinosaur, but what they call them back then worms. Y-rims, you know, dragons, serpents. It could have had a whole different other name. Just because the word didn't exist doesn't mean that the thing didn't exist. Like, the dinosaur didn't exist. And I find that kind of hard to believe that all these fossils can't be faked. I mean, I know... Okay, let me reword that before people go crazy.
1: Don't what
2: I know they can be faked. I've been to museums. I know that it's a replica of what they think it is, okay? But... I believe that there was stuff. I don't think that the world is 6,000 years old. I think it's maybe older than that. I don't know if I'd subscribe to the millions and millions of years that they talk about, but I would say that it's somewhere a lot of years. (laughs) I can't can't say exactly how many years, but it's interesting that that you brought up the whole dinosaur thing, and here it is right here in the preface right at the beginning. What does it say here? Right, first page. In spite of... Of my manual, Dexterity, I did once manage to find a book. Oh, he's
0: he's talking about how his father is a is a tailor. And he had like a, a bureau or a cabinet with all his tailor stuff in it, plus a ton of notes and books. And he finds that he owns the copy of Flammarion's The World Before the Creation of Man. And then another book by Walter Rathenau called Where Is the World Going? So these books... Must have made an impact on the young author who was grappling with the fact that his father was a skilled craftsman and he was just a worthless poet, right? Like this was his inner struggle (laughs) as an author. Uh, He wanted to have the respect of somebody who worked with their hands as a craft and to him you know, writing was his craft. So this is, mm-hmm. uh, this is the preface and so not, not necessarily related to the book. More of more of like how the author got inspired to write the topic, I guess.
2: But yeah. And for those that don't know, they're a hundred percent familiar. I'm going to share a picture here of Flammarion, the Flammarion engraving and people will automatically know what we're talking about. Cause again, it's one of the more shared dip- pictures, I guess plates, And when it comes to the Truther community is this one right here from engraving. And we did a whole episode on perhaps Camille Flammarion could have been Folconelli in some sort of weird way. They write that in the other book, Folconelli's identity revealed. I did order the French book. I haven't gotten it It's coming directly from France. And once I get it, I'll probably translate the, the table of content or do something. Maybe I might translate the whole thing and, I don't know, from what I've heard, sometimes translations of certain books in other languages show up on the Patreon for the patrons on the one on Patreon. So, I don't know. That's just a rumor I heard, but well, it might be floating around there. Even if you
0: don't believe Flammarion is Falconelli, you can't argue that he created the most popular coloring book image in, history, in human history. Because <laughs> I've seen that exact engraving colored a million different ways. Because it wasn't colored, it was black and white, right? So, now people colorize it and it always looks different but it's interesting that you brought up the the kent gentleman i forget his last name but kent hovind so he he's a literal creationist what would he think of this book here by susan b martinez who talks about how uh there were many different races of being before the great flood and that the adam and eve of the uh Garden of Eden were more like a pair of one of the many like human species that they were like, all right, let's, let's pick this one. And the rest of them died in the flood. That's basically what she's saying. And, and obviously dying in the flood is kind of, I don't know if that's completely like a solid, uh, definitive event where everyone surely died. I think the flood probably changed the the population levels for sure, but there are isolated pockets of everything from pygmies to giants throughout known history, right? I mean, not so much giants anymore, but pygmies for sure are still in existence to this day. So just there is living evidence of, you know, different variations of Homo sapien and Although some people will say, oh, no, this is, you know, racist or whatever to say that the pygmy is not a human. They're not saying pygmies aren't humans. They're saying that pygmies evolved into a different delineation of human, of homo sapien, away from the racist. rest of us. Well, and and in a sense, they're more advanced than us because they've adapted to their jungle environment, whereas... Even more racist. Whereas
2: yourself yourself and I, (laughs) yourself and
0: I going into a jungle would be toast after a couple months, if not years had, we would have no luck of procreating and surviving. And, and like, you know what I mean? Like, I think the, the, it's yeah it's a t- it's a touchy subject for sure but it's not just in africa it's you know southeast asia south america really anywhere that there's rainforest there are uh, isolated pockets of pygmies and in the past too before you know the expansion of uh, colonialism and and the subsequent co- corporatism and all the awful corporate polluters and jungle deforesters obviously that's took a bite out of what once was, but what if it's the environment that determines the the uh biomorphology, yeah. right?
2: Like that's stress theory, isn't it? Where like depending on what stresses affect the organism, it shapes them to the I got kids in the background. I right? got my homunculus running loose, but the depending on the the triggers, right? So it's, it's what causes changes. So if an, if Right, the giraffe, the food was too high, so it needed to adapt to to be able to reach the top leaves, or else it was gonna die off. But here's the thing about Darwinism, dude. A lot of these guys were controlled opposition, man. They were part of like these organizations that maybe, in my opinion, had some sort of agenda to push. And it's interesting that. Right, You have Huxley in there. It's always Huxley. It always goes back to Huxley for some reason. And here's the thing, dude. Because this is an argument that a lot of people use for evolution. Like, oh, it's made to make you feel like nothing, worthless. You're just, you You came from a, what do they call it? The the primordial ooze, like all this sort of stuff. Or like even with flat earth, a lot of people say about flat earth. It's like, well, if you knew that it was actually flat. Right. And that it's not just a space rock in the middle of nowhere. And it's not going to make you feel worthless. And like, to me, it makes no difference if I know that it, it if there's any more of an ontol- is it ontological shock? Is that the way you're supposed to say? it? Oh, so let's look on. Well, I think we just have so
0: many attachments around the, the concept of God that, you know, when you start to stray away from the typical archetypes that we associate with God, then, yeah, it feels like that. But what if the creator, that is the all consciousness, what if he designed us to morph out of ooze over millions of years? Like, I don't, I'm not arguing against creationism here. I'm saying it could be, uh, and instead of and or, I don't know what the phrase is you know, it could be both instead of one or the other. Right. So, yeah. so I, I, that's kind of where my mind goes with like, at least as it pertains to this did you have book. That lady
2: on, did you, did you have her on yet?
0: No, I would like to, she lives in Georgia. So she's, yeah, she's on the East coast. It'd be a good podcast, but, uh but no, um I just wonder like, why can't it be that God created a ton of different types of homo sapien alternatives right like why not
2: some cosmologies say that bro like the yanunaki cosmology at first it was like this thing but then that i guess that didn't work out and then they made the homo sapien the genesis says that and it kind of implies
0: it with the flood right like god created mm -hmm. these other things before humans that were jealous of humans and and they had to be eliminated right so now we're finding all this evidence in the form of skeletons and whatnot some of it's been suppressed by the smithsonian institute but yeah like what if these giants and these pygmies were like damn like these people, are they're perfect. They, they have all the right proportions. They're, they're, look how efficient they are at six feet high. Like us 12 feet high humans, we got to spend twice as much money on house, house material. We got to spend twice as much money on food, you know. And then the pygmy people are like, we get beat up. Pushed around. We can't do anything. We got to hide in caves. We got to hide in the forest. Like you six foot f- people are great because you could, you know, at least defend yourself enough to, you know, be, be able to move around in the world. And then giants are like, geez, you guys are so quick, you know, we fight and then we get tired, you know? So like maybe this version of, you know, the biomorphology just won out over the others. And that's what they were trying to convey. It wasn't like everyone else was evil and we were the only righteous ones. It's just like God's plan shaped it in this way to where, you know, many evolve into one. Right. And then maybe that's what the whole, like coming back to God is like when you, when you've evolved to the point where you're, you're a God and then you create your own universe, right? Like the whole universe evolves into one equivalent of what it, Cr- what created it and then like we see on a microscopic level with cells it literally just boop, bloop and they become two separate universes you know like mic like cell division I mean what if it's like that on a huge huge level and we're just like the little red blood cells and white blood cells here on the earth like battling it out playing our roles and and but we're in this much huger huger scope of things you know that is the universe
2: What's what's the movie where we're in the marble? Is that Men in Black? Where the where the marble? Like it zooms out at the end and we're in the marble of like some game somebody's playing? <laughs> I don't I think I've seen that before cuz I can picture man. it, but yeah, the MIB Marble Galaxy. So let me see if I can play this. Hold on. Yeah. So let me play this real quick so you can see what I'm talking about. So in in Men in Black it shows, like, right, the, the world, and then it starts to zoom out, and it zooms all the way out, and it's actually a marble that some aliens are playing a game with. So, look at these alien entities playing a game right. with them. <laughs> and we're in here. Right. So, it's like, who knows? And... Well, that's how I,
0: they seed wanted. these bigger ideas. So, and I've mm-hmm. seen Men in Black. So, who knows? Maybe I saw that imagery, exactly. and then that seed got implanted in my mind, and now I'm a talking point for the elite, right? Like, <laughs> there you go. Because
2: Illuminati confirmed here. <laughs> here. Illuminati confirmed. Well, so and that's
0: that's why I get like a little bit weirded out by guys who are like, "No, it's for sure what the Bible says it is," because like if it's that easy for them to create a compelling narrative and just put it at the end of a movie, you know, that's a neat metaphor. It sticks in someone's head and they kind of live their life with it in their inner mental scaffolding, you know, scaffolding. Like how is that any different from the ideas in, in the Bible? I mean, obviously I'm not comparing men in black, the movie to the Bible, but as media is concerned, like a message that sticks with you, you know, like I don't know, I just feel like to be attached to something that that happened that long ago is interesting. I'm much more interested in the people who are like, "Oh no, but this is what the Bible's actually telling us." Like I like the decoder people. I don't necessarily buy into it all, but I I tend to think that the Bible is more of that where they, they're really wise people left a bunch of messages that were kind of like multi-layered. So the common man reads it and gets like the basics like don't hurt anybody, be a good person, that kind of thing. And then like the guy above step above that gets a different, maybe more complex message. And then, you know, the holy man or the enlightened one reads the Bible and it's like it's this language of the birds kind of thing where, I mean, you couldn't even utter it to a layman because your your consciousness has advanced to the point where those kind of coded things are just, you know, translated immediately.
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing about the Bible. I, there, that's why there's seven different ways of interpreting the Bible, historically being one of them, allegorically being another one metaphysically being another one, I guess you can put that in there. Also, alchemically, there's a reason why alchemists also broke it down. There's various ways, bro, That, and I think that we have a watered-down version of the Bible and a watered-down version of the doctrines that were supposed to be presented in the Bible. And the reason for that being, I I finished reading The Divine Invasion by Phil K. Dick a couple weeks ago. And in there they, they have this holographic Bible and the holographic Bible, they're able to project the Bible outwards and they're able to manipulate the Bible and move it around and stack it on top of each other to reveal hidden layers of the story. And you're kind of able to enter the story in some sort of way. And they ban it because they can't have people accessing this, this version of the Bible because then they're able to extract the hidden meanings within, because think about it. If you project like in the, in the typical movies, like a projection, you start manipulating and moving it around you start to overlay the stories on one on top of another. You're like, wait a minute, I'm seeing something completely new on this side where you can't get it because not only are like the pages limiting you from doing that, but also language sometimes is a limiting factor too. It's like William Burroughs talked about language being a sort of virus where it limits you from being able to express yourself. And sometimes we find the word, we, we struggle to find the word sometimes to explain things even and even experiences, right? Like any sort of experience. And I think that's the, a very big limiting factor when it comes to a lot of phenomenological experiences where phenomenology is you're experiencing. So if Mark got abducted and the space aliens probed his ass or something, guess what? That was real to Mark. You know, Mark was the one that got probed. You know, we can't take that. No one can take that away from you unless you've experienced that as well. Same thing goes with psychedelics. Same things will go with certain things in life and in reality that the only way to describe it is if you experience it. Like I can't describe to you what it feels like to love your child unconditionally unless you have a child which you love unconditionally. That's the only way you're able to describe that feeling. You know what I'm saying? So like, Words are a limiting factor and I think that plays a role into, do I think the Bible has the answers to everything? No. And I think it's like that, I used this metaphor yesterday, or this allegory, or whatever you want to call it. Yesterday I said, everyone's in a dark room touching an elephant. You know, you're touching the trunk, this other guy's touching the tail, this other guy's touching the foot, this other guy's touching the belly, whatever it is. Some other dude's touching its balls. You know what I'm saying? You're like, this is it. And it's a dark room. Yes, yeah, some the, other dude. This is it. <laughs> this is it. This is, the, you know, it feels squishy or it feels rough or it feels hairy or whatever it is. Like, no, no, no. You guys are all touching the same thing. But just because you're touching, it doesn't describing the bigger picture, which is the, it's an elephant, you know? And I think that's all cosmologies. When you really zoom out, you go, okay, we're all touching on the same thing. We're just describing it differently. But then you get the... Elitism or the nationalism of the oh my guys the guy, my part the balls of the elephant are the part that that matter you know this because because I'm t- it's like no 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 just because you're experiencing it that way doesn't mean it's the whole picture right And I think people need to slow down sometimes and really zoom out and maybe have a little bit more of an open mind when it comes to these other things and that's why I like learning about all of them bro all cosmologies no matter what because you can always extract something. From each and every single one of them and that that can benefit you in a way but again i i believe that jesus did die for our sins and again i'm a christian i was born into it i do believe it and will we ever truly truly know i don't know dude i don't know but i just wonder if
0: i just wonder if it's not like And please, Christians in the audience, do not be offended by what I'm about to say, because I could see how what I'm about to say might get taken the wrong way. But in terms of humanity as a global collective consciousness, I just wonder if Christianity and Judaism and contemporary religions... Uh, That are monotheistic because there was a time in human history where everybody was like, "All right, monotheism is the way." Like it, it, it was you know kind of a historical event, right? That you can track across multiple different cultures. It happened in the East. It happened in the West. But I, I wonder if that doesn't show us like that religions are meant to be understood in stages, the same way that. You wouldn't want your child to have training wheels on his bike the his whole childhood. Those are only for the first few days he's learning to ride a bike or maybe months or whatever, right? When he when they're too young to to balance themselves. But once they're once they're off and going, you don't keep the training wheels on. And again, I'm not saying Christianity is it's training wheels or anything like that, but I just wonder if if we shouldn't be attached to these ideas and concepts um outside of their time contextual framework things like morals don't don't conform to time and context morals are morals right the way you treat people is you know something that i think even a million years from now if there are physical beings interacting with each other you think aliens have morals bro Well, I think there's a, yeah, I think think there are manners. Well, you can call it morals. You can call it laws. You can call it, you know, a code of, of honor. I mean, different cultures (laughs) have different ways of, of relating to each other socially, but yeah, no matter, no matter what culture it is, Christianity or not, there's usually a moral hierarchy that is, it's not really affected by time. Like you don't evolve out of those kind of concepts yeah. right is that no, I interesting
2: but what a better way to, to shatter that and I'm gonna send you this Terrence McKenna lecture or talk that I was listening to today where he's talking about the UFO and the extraterrestrial phenomenon and how it the extraterrestrial they might be using it to take people away from that Christ point of view worldview because if you think about when the church started to influence reality and history and government and all that it's been a long time and that they're going to use the alien the extraterrestrial to shock people out of that way of thinking Mm. and i mean what what a better way bro if you wanted to disprove everyone's they can disprove God. Let's say, okay, well, people are going to say that God also did God create aliens. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's what people are going well, well, God created them too, you know, but what a better way than, than for the government to come out and be like, listen, these are the ETs or whatever it is. If they are real blood and bones, who knows? But this is them, and they actually created us. Like the movie Prometheus, you know, we're talking about movies and planting thoughts and ideas, and they're planting memes, which is the smallest form of an idea, essentially. And memetics is the spread of information. So it's that they they are seeding us with with this memetics, right? They're just seeding us with all these movies and all these ideas. And Prometheus, bro, there's no God in that movie. The God is... The engineers, they're the ones that made us and then planted us and seeded us in the... right. He turns into the black goo and then goes in the water and it starts to develop and and spread out and all that stuff. That would shock people out of a lot of things. I mean, some people wouldn't believe it. Well, if you look Uh, at
0: sci-fi, I mean, there's tons of sci-fi that has, like, you know, all sorts of interesting parallels to the real world, but... I like to, you know, I don't disbelieve aliens. I think there's tons of evidence for the Pleiadians. Fake and gay? No, I, I mean, I think the government is <laughs> lying to us about them. So like the government's version of aliens is fake and gay. But I believe in the Pleiadians. I believe in the people from Sirius. Like, I believe that humans could have come from other planets and seeded this planet a long time we ago. You
2: do believe in Jesus Christ, bro?
0: Well, that could be a part of the Christian paradigm. Like, I like these aliens could be Christian warriors going from planet to planet, fighting the Satanists and Junkers setting up warriors garden then. and gardens of Eden. Like, what if they, you know, they just they had a garden of Eden in the Pleiades and they come over to whatever they call this solar system and they set up a garden of Eden here. They do mm-hmm. some planetary physics and make it so the Earth's just the right distance from the sun and the, it has a moon that goes around it to keep things in balance or whatever. Like. I mean, when you look at those kind of mathematics, obviously I'm not doing the measurements, so who knows? They could have just made it all up, but it does seem like the Earth is in an anomalously good relationship with the sun so and, and all these other planets. So it's like, clearly this isn't just random, you know, like, don't mm-hmm. you think that? You know, all of this wouldn't have lined up. And the scientists, they kind of say the same thing, but in an opposite way where they're like, oh, no, because it's all so perfect, life sprouted here. It was the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, right in the middle. And it's like, really? Is that, is it that? Is that so there's so there's a hot solar system somewhere where nothing, you know, and then there's a cold one out there. I, I tend to think that it's more like things are, kind of in a proto stasis and as intelligence or consciousness spreads out from a central point in the universe more and more parts of the universe become living and connected to the rest of it and we're as earthlings (laughs) on like one of these outer fringes that's only just gotten interacted with within the past million or so years and it takes billions of years for it to completely spread so like Our lifetime as humans is like the lifetime of one of your hair follicles on your head. And that's not Mm -hmm. to say that your hair follicles are insignificant and therefore you're insignificant. No, because your hair follicles are you. They make you you just like you make the universe what the universe is like. There is no other one Ayala in the universe. You are a special, unique component of it. And so is everybody listening, and even the assholes who don't listen to our podcasts are they're a part of it too, right? So <laughs> they're not assholes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's true, because a lot of my family doesn't listen to my podcast, so <laughs> so yeah, and they're not assholes. But okay, I'll take that back. But you get my kind of point, and it, it mm-hmm. does go into that whole psychedelic hippy dippy kind of realm. So I could see where people have a hard time getting behind that, cause Like, I don't believe the scientists who talk like this because I think they have a different purpose for sharing this information. I think this is more like what the, the spiritual wisdom has been kind of pointing to, even in the Bible. I mean, you know, I think the Bible agrees with a lot more than people who follow the Bible give credit. Like, a lot of people who follow the Bible try to live in this kind of, like, isolation zone where bible only and i much prefer to see where it connects and coalesces with other things because in my mind that's how you prove something to be true is when you see it its logic repeating in multiple circumstances if something works mm-hmm. it'll it doesn't just work within one you know vacuum of a circumstance it it should be repeatable so maybe yeah. that's too sciency for some people but i, I think i'm i'm I only came to that conclusion from a very spiritual place, if you could believe it or not. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd have a good conversation with this uh, creationist guy, but it kind of connects to what the morning of the magicians sort of thesis is that um, it says this book remains a sophisticated philosophical Mm -hmm. exploration of, ...of the repressed phenomena and hidden histories that ask its readers to look at reality with ever-awakened eyes. Um, and it also says... Their study of secret societies, starting with the Rosicrucians, suggests that such changes are actively being pursued in the present day... ...by a conspiracy of the most spiritually and intellectually advanced members of the human race. And that's kind of, I mean... That's where a lot of this stuff, I hit like a, a fork in the road where I'm like, wait, so is all of this like alt meta-spiritual, metaphysical kind of stuff, like, is that like the religion of the elite because they're using it against us and like, that's why they've keep kept it all secret from us? Or is that like, is it truly evil and, you know, we're being tested by not you know, indulging in all that, right? Like, I still kind of hit that fork in the road when it comes to magic and secret societies because, you know, from everything we've researched, it seems like there's a a pretty valid path to do, like, all this ritual and occult stuff. Like, it exists. It's not just fantasy,
2: but, you know... People don't believe in it, and that's the crazy part that I, I believe. I mean, there's people who dress up and go to lodges every week, to me with their little mason friends and all that stuff so it's like there's a certain group of people who believe it but that's the problem even with civilization or humanity where you're broken up into different sects of ideas Mm. of cosmologies of religions i mean all that stuff and i think it's that divide and conquer where you get stuck in in a certain line of thinking and you're barricading yourself within that echo chamber you're saying and it's like that I, I, I was, I broke out of that, you know what I'm saying? And that, that's how I'm here because I did, I was able to break out of that and then I was able to read things that my grandma would probably disown me for reading. I I've, I've went down rabbit holes that, you know, were forbidden that I, I at any point I would not even think about doing. And it came with its, its feelings. And I mean, I have people who write to me all the time, <clears throat> excuse me, Who will tell me like, hey, I was Pentecostal too, bro. And it feels dirty, like thinking about these things. You know, because it's, bro, we were taught it was blasphemy. Like you're going to be possessed and all that stuff. And it's, it's fear based. It's trauma based. And I was able to overcome that. and, And that's how I'm here now. And I am a skeptic and I am, if anything, dude, like I tell people, I'm not trying to take away from anything. I'm trying to prove it. How you're saying we want repeatable results. So if you're sure in your faith, if you're sure that this is the way, then what does it matter what anybody else says? If you're sure, if you are sure in it, and that's all that matters. Well, and
0: you know, and I almost, like, I hear that, and I'm like, yeah, of course people can be possessed, but I don't necessarily think that that means that studying any one subject could leave you, of course, if your your mentality isn't, solid but that I think that's the point of these practices it's like you don't go in studying this kind of stuff until you've kind of strengthened your mental capabilities to yeah. kind of wear an idea and then take it off right like that's and I that's a concept that you need to be you need to be able to kind of put the hat on take the hat off and put it away like you can't just adopt every single thing you read, obviously. But it, it gets into this tricky realm when it comes to things that are like, I mean, possession and, and you know.
2: I'm almost done with season two of Twin Peaks. And it was funny, Isaac, he asked me if, if by us talking about these things, if we are carrying yeah the agenda forward, you know how you're saying? Like, if this is the elite lizard interdimensional egghead people's religion and here we are talking about it are we are we doing the devil's work if you will by carrying this forward and and here i don't see it that way because i see it it, the more you know the better it is because i'd rather know my enemy than be completely oblivious. To well, and, and after.
0: also I think there's like a power that you give to anything when you're afraid of it. So by being strong enough to say, I can learn this without it affecting me, or I can learn this to strengthen my mental, spiritual, and physical framework, because I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. I get paranoid. Sometimes I get, I think like, oh God, did, did that connect to this. And because this happened now, this happened and, oh God, what did I do wrong? Like, geez, man, it really bothers me. And, uh, yeah, I, I try to, I try to kind of keep myself centered and, and pray and meditate for those reasons. Because I, I it's not that I don't believe in religious concepts. I just don't, believe in the religious organizations that espouse those concepts, right? So like possession could be a thing without necessarily subscribing to that Pentecostal idea of possession, right? I mean, maybe that just proves that it's real because there's multiple, (laughs) you, you see it everywhere. People have different ways of dealing with it. To me, that just means that people have a real, uh, issue with this otherwise why would they be coming up
2: with solutions for it well it's interesting you brought up i think her name is diana Posolka, and she went on rogan recently and we had talked about her remember agobard of lion was the guy's name the one with the with the homunculus that crash landed and they presented it to him they're like what do we do with this? did he do we talk bring the did stake? she
0: talk about that with joe rogan i didn't watch it
2: she didn't talk about that but she's the one that translated all these works that the church has translated and she was finding like wait a minute the church was leaving stuff out like there were ufo encounters and all this stuff and she says that what's going on right now with the ufo and i think i've seen this too on twitter or like instagram or something you know you got the crowd that doesn't believe in this and they think that it's all a psyop and aliens are faking gay and all this stuff right and she says that right now what's happening is that there is a new religion emerging and the reasoning for that is because you know jesus went around doing his miracles and doing his things and one interesting aspect, though, because I just reread the gospel of John and the gospel of, Ma- of Matthew, the interesting part of, I think it was Mark. Anyways, one of the, one of the gospels, two of, two of the four gospels or however many there are, I, I reread. And in that, whenever he does a miracle, he's always like, go forth, but don't tell anybody about this, bro. Keep this in the wraps. People are going to see that you're healed, but just keep it between you and I, all right? Because mind you, even back then they couldn't even handle the 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 concept of this dude healing people and and com and doing miracles. It was like, wait, how are you able to do this? And then that's the controversy. It was like, well, I I am right the 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 son of man type of thing, you know, like a god. I am the son of God, and like, okay, whatever. You're the king of the Jews. All this all this stuff. But that interaction with people and Jesus, where they were healed by him when people are having these experiences with these abductions, these UFOs where they're being healed or they're being, something's being done to them. You could see where they, where people would start to believe like, wait a minute, this is God. And it goes back to that Terrence McKenna thing where the UFO itself is, he was talking about it being a sort of projection of the soul or something weird. I have to re-listen to it again, but he was talking about, it's like a projection of the soul. And that at the end of the day, like at the end of all the rabbit hole, like we're going to figure out that the extraterrestrials are us type of thing. <laughs> I'll I'll send it to you, bro. It's Terrence McKenna. He was talking about the abyss, different abysses. And it's really interesting because I love Terrence McKenna, even if he was a governmental asset, but he brings forth, he brings forth a lot of interesting concepts and, she believes that right now there is a new UFO religion emerging. Mind you, UFO religions are, I'd consider Thelema a, a UFO religion. I mean, it, it was dictated by an extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial source. I mean, the Book of the Law was channeled to to Crowley in the Cairo workings. I mean, that that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. You have Scientology, some people say, is a UFO religion. Where it was, again, given... I mean, I don't know what was going on in L. Ron Hubbard's head, but there's the whole rumors of Xenu and how it's like this volcano that erupted at one point. They're all light beings or something like some crazy stuff. People will deny it. I think the, the Scientologists deny that they believe in that. But that's a weird one. What else is a UFO religion? There's a few, but she believes that there is a UFO religion evolving. So... Emerging. So imagine that bro. If the pe- if the people in the government right now Pushing for this disclosure start to come on and be like, You know what? We're actually going to worship these things That's C isn't that the the whole thing Stephen Greer. I was actually with Tony and, and Joel this past weekend and we were talking about that that they For a document. I'm not gonna give too much out but for a document that they're shooting They had some experiences where this dude was perhaps maybe manifesting these things and Mm -hmm. bringing them. And they had an experience with these UFOs, I guess. (laughs) I don't know how to, how to, how to, how to explain it. Well, but through the use of what you were saying earlier, prayer meditation. Well, some people, she also talked about in that interview with Joe Rogan, that a lot of people back then were using these same techniques to interact with these extraterrestrial things right to bring them forth and i think that's i think it's called ce5 or something well and that's i mean is
0: that any different than like ceremonial magic where people like there you go. sit around right. and and summon entities from weird old books from the middle ages right yes, Like sir. and i think that's kind of the misconception that people are having with the whole project Bluebeam. it's like These are only going to be negative entities in the sense that the, the altruistic positive aliens, if you want to believe in them, which I do, they've been communicating with us, but they don't interfere. They communicate with people who are good channels of this information, who, who write books about it, or, you know, do you know, courses or whatnot, um, there's tons of people that have had experiences with extraterrestrials that were not negative. Obviously, there are tons of negative experiences as well. But I think that just shows you that, like humans, there are good and bad versions of these beings. Uh, and, you know, I think the good ones wouldn't interfere in the way that the government and these groups are, are suggesting All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a brief moment to thank our sponsors. Shout out to The Hit Kit, the number one way to get lit. My friend Garrett makes amazing gadgets that you can use to keep whatever you're smoking on safe and sound. You want to go over to The Hit Kit on Instagram or hitkit.us wherever you browse the web and check out is full selection of hit kits you can even get a custom design get your name get your logo whatever it is you like get it on your hit kit and keep your buds safe and sound as the weather gets warmer and you get around town and while you're at it check out mind men mushrooms they've got some really awesome stuff available on their website uh you know Depending on where you live, of course, you know, be responsible. uh, And anyone is welcome to check out their store. They've got some awesome merch as well. So go and check them out. Mind Mend Mushrooms. So, all right, folks, those are our sponsors. Be sure to use the promo code CRAZY with both sponsors. And let's go over to our dynamic ads and we'll be right back to this episode after this short break I don't as far as CE5 goes I've heard some weird things about Dr. Stephen Greer but I don't you know I don't know I don't know him, I've never met him, so <laughs> he kind of looks like uh, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates combined to me a little bit, but uh, uh, just on, on appearances, but yeah, I don't know, I mean, again, it doesn't strike me as anything new, I think it just in the past, people thought of it as ancestor worship, or angel yeah. summoning, or you know worse, things like demons, and jinn and but you know now people have a sci-fi framework for reality so they're like oh yeah these are aliens these are us from the future or these are yeah. these are beings that are just like us and you know that's what the channelers tell us and and if you think about it like i don't know i mean of course all these people who channel and whatnot they could have just read books about ancient culture and said oh the ancient peoples worship the pleiadians so let's talk about the pleiadians But it does seem to line up in that sense because there's tons of evidence that the ancient peoples were like, yeah, the people from Sirius came and talked to us or, oh, yeah, the people from that constellation came and talked to us. And then they would build monuments aligned with those constellations. So it's like, you know, not only does that take a lot of mathematics, um, I just think it's it's a. It's no wonder that the government would want to get ahead of that and make everyone afraid of aliens when, if you look at ancient history, not to go all ancient alien cuckoo on you. I think the aliens or whatever these other entities are, I think they had some kind of interaction with us in that time period. They might not have built everything for us like History Channel suggests, but they, they definitely, you know... We're here. There there's no doubt that humans remember entities that didn't resemble your average human interacting in tangible ways in the human history. And I mean, sure they're they're thought of now as mythological or or subconscious archetypes or whatever, but I honestly I think that they're real and that we live in a much stranger world than our, you know, schools and society mm-hmm. wants us to have a, a, a filter for. So they filter all this stuff out that's hard to explain. And they give us this very, very small lens of reality. And then when people have these interactions with benevolent beings, they can't risk that lens widening. So they have to lace it with fear so it closes back up again. So they get everybody afraid of aliens. They get everybody thinking, oh no, aliens are here to steal your DNA. And maybe they, the military does that themselves guised as aliens so that we fear these beings that could help us, right? Like maybe they realize like, Oh, these guys from other planets are clearly a threat to us. They could turn the 99% against the 1% by just saying humans, here are what your leaders have done to you, you know? So they have to give you like a fake version of that (laughs) and make you think that the aliens are going to, come here and enslave us all when maybe they want to, f- maybe it's the underground railroad to Venus, bro. Like who knows? Maybe they're going to free us from this prison planet and Kim Jong-un and, and Is Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden. Are, what's that?
2: Is that where the Jew tunnels go to Venus? The Hollow <laughs> Earth Jews. But dude, you, you're saying something really interesting because I was just watching this documentary on, on Netflix with my wife and it was about this, I think it's called American Nightmare. Let me see here. American Nightmare. And it was about one of the beautiful American Nightmare that show. It was about a home invasion, kidnapping in 2015. And the story was so bizarre that this guy was telling and the chick that nobody believed them, that they believe that they were staging it. But think about that. It's so bizarre that nobody in their right of mind would believe them. And the entire time they were telling the truth. And this plays into like Fritz Springmeier territory where again, it gets dark, but when a child is telling you, Hey, Ronald McDonald is coming into my room at night and use your imagination. Right. And as a parent, you're like, yeah, yeah. Ronald McDonald's not coming to your room at night, please. Or what's the purple guy. What's the dude's, what, what's the purple dude's name? The... I tried Purple. to bring this up with, are you talking about the Hamburglar or or Grimace? <laughs> Grimace is like, well, Grimace is coming at, in at night and scaring me or whatever. And it's like, you disregard, but listen, listen, because there was a tweet of the guy in New York. He's like, listen, I hear Jews under my house. I hear people talking as a y- Yiddish or something underneath my house. And he was tweeting about it, and nobody believed it because it's so ridiculous. No one believes that. No one's ever going to believe you. That's what I talked to Nick Bryan about. I asked
0: (laughs) Nick Bryan about that. If, If, you know, people who are committing these crimes gaslight investigators by making the crime scenes appear satanic, like instead of instead of instead of doing a real satanic ritual for satanic ritual's sake they commit a crime and then in order to throw the evidence they you know cut up a goat body or something nuts or cats or whatever so that when the investigators find the crime scene now they're off in this satanic direction that was a big angle with the satanic panic whole thing and You know what nick bryan is really good at is sticking to the facts and saying like you know either way the fact is children are being abused and the government is you know covering it up so you know all of that aside he did he did answer my question in in a good way and kind of elaborated on how that might happen but he actually kind of went against that and said he he believes there are real satanic cults operating in the united states and i mean yeah i i don't doubt it but i definitely you know it's something that you hear people say and it kind of sounds sensational and it you know maybe i have that doubt because i want i don't want it to be true i don't want to live in a world where that's a reality but i
2: mean a world's a dark place, bro. And that's the yeah. problem that you you can't ever underestimate anything yeah. because of that. And dude, even Fritz Springmeier even goes as far as to say that people who've experienced alien abduction, they're actually what they did experience. Those were implanted memories, and what they might have experienced was some sort of assault on them. And that's the way that's the way of their brain coping with what happened to them to say that they got abducted and I've had a couple of friends who have these podcasts where people call in with stories, right? We got, we we know Merkel and we know other people who do the sort of same thing. And I've had other people who've told me before that they've had people on their show where they were describing an assault that happened to them in a form of like, Hey, I encountered alien beings or whatever it is. is. Again, as a sort of defense mechanism, if you will, for that so that just throws a a wrench into all the gears right because it's like wait a minute so then is the alien phenomenon a thing is it the brain making it up but you can't discredit you know we talked about agobard of lion stuff like that that that's not the only one in history there's plenty other ones in history it's like what were those people experiencing were they all being assaulted in some sort i don't think so because it, otherwise it would have been written some other sort of way. Like it, it, it's weird, right? You know, like it's, it, it's a phenomenon. It's something is happening. Something, how you're saying so, humans remember a time where they were in contact with entities or whatever it is. I don't think it's easily as dismissible as that. I think, it, I think it's multi-layer, multi-dimensional sometimes. And I don't know, man, like the, the what I know you and I have talked about like 14 stuff and Keel. And the ultra terrestrials, if anything, I like that. And I love the way that Cryptids of the Corn put it where the Mothman is like this interdimensional raccoon, whatever. He like teleports into this dimension. He's like scatterbrained trying to run away from people and people. They go, well, he didn't really attack us. He was just kind of scared. And I don't know if you watched the documentary Moment of Contact, I think it's called, where the... Well, we talked about it on the Falconelli episode. I don't know if you did. You watch that documentary where they encountered the 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 red eyed being that smelled like sulfur in a corner in Bergonia, Brazil. I think it was. I think we oh, talked my- about it. Maybe on like the
0: end of the year episode I did, where we talked about cryptids.
2: No, it was like- more. It was more recent. This one right here, Moment of Contact. Where no, it's I in didn't the, see this. By by. Barguinha, Brazil. Right, and right, right, right. I heard about this. No, I didn't watch it. They're calling it yeah, the Roswell well, of Brazil. They encountered a being like this. It was a red-eyed being with, like, some horns, and people remember it being scared, like, just in in, in a corner. Like, oh, it, it wasn't attacking us. It wasn't doing anything wrong. It was trying to get away because it was scared. Right. So, again, maybe these things aren't supposed to... And these are the people that... These are the three girls that saw it who... Say how you're saying, not all these things are bad, not all these things are demonic. Some might be, some might be that, that they want to do you harm or they want to mine you for your energy or whatever it is. But there's a pattern emerging, and there's some something's up, bro. Something's up. What is it? I don't know, but something is up when it comes to these sort of, of topics, and it's been like this for a very long time. Well, I think it's the morning
0: of the magician's book that is going to kind of maybe elucidate on how alchemy connects to what we're seeing now that possibly like the advanced technology of the past coded in alchemy and then reorganized in this time period by these people who were, you know, either wise enough to remember or pass down the information or just bright enough to, to figure it all out again, or maybe, you know, in this kind of like consciousness kind of way, like we as humans, like we could pull those ideas from the, you know, collective consciousness or the Akashic record when we're in the right frequency. So it's not that we invent them for the first time. And, and if we forget, Oh, it's gone forever. No, it's like the same way a tree grows leaves. Like that's the best uh, kind of like expression of its will. And humans, part of us expressing our will is infrastructure, vehicles, you know, fuel, the basic things that are, you know, a part of our society. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's a a anti-industrial modern world where things are like, completely different technology like a water-based technology or like a you know magnet-based technology we seem to have like a slightly like what we were talking about before like a silicon kind of based technology at this point like it's kind of emerging out of i don't know what would you call it plastic and metal
2: (laughs) can we talk about the recent news that Everyone's freaking out about with these Apple Vision Pro goggles.
0: Yeah, I saw that. some idiots in a restaurant using them, and it was Did so- you
2: really in person?
0: No, no, no. I saw a video on my phone, and they were, like, sitting with each other at a table, and they both yeah, had the... Them. Yeah, and they're just like... It's just so weird, because it's like, you know, in their mind, they're, like, just doing their thing, but... I- from the outside looking in, you just look like a dumbass moving your hands around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: a lot yeah. of that stuff.
2: <laughs> I did see that. I mean, but the Oculus has been around for a while now. And so I don't see a difference. And it's just the same. It's the same thing as the Oculus. A lot of people are saying that the, the augmented reality isn't any better than actual reality. And I, I think honestly, until I think some people will disagree with that, though, bro, because there are people who have sex in these other virtual reality worlds. <laughs> but I'm being serious. There's full haptic feedback suits, because think about it, dude. You can literally be whatever you want, whoever you want. Have you me, for example, I did an interview for a virtual mystery school in VR. I was Morpheus interviewing a frog. Who can say that no one else can say that the only person to ever say that is me i was morpheus interviewing a frog so people are able to live whatever reality they want bro if, they're, if they're overweight in reality they can slim up they can be eight foot tall in there you they can do whatever they you want
0: weren't really morpheus interviewing a frog though oh i was in vr chat i was i was morpheus no. in, and i got a video to prove it no, no, no. You were Morpheus interviewing a frog to a being who's only capable of visualizing things. <laughs> Any entity that's capable of consciousness. I identify
2: Morpheus. <laughs> mm. so,
0: I would, I would count it that way if the consciousness of Morpheus and the consciousness <laughs> of the frog were communicating. That didn't happen. You were talking to some other jackass pretending to be a frog.
2: No, he's not a jackass. He's a good guy, bro. <laughs> Is it a uh, podcaster we know? No, he's not a podcaster. Oh, okay. No, I think he wanted to start his own podcast, but as a frog, a the whole tarot taro reader frog. Yeah, he's an occultist. The whole Alex Jones
0: uh, thing probably screwed up the whole frog persona for him, you know.
2: People calling him a gay <laughs> frog all the time. I, com- I completely forgot about that, dude. Hold on, I got that clip right here.
1: I'm putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. <laughs>
2: the frogs are turning gay, bro. I, I didn't saw, even realize
0: that. That's I saw crazy. a meme today that was Superman holding back a train, and there's a kid on the train tracks, and it was like Alex Jones over Superman, and then the kid was like frogs and then the train was like gays or, or gayness or something like that <laughs> and it was like Alex Jones stopping the gayness from the frogs or whatever it was it was funny but,
2: he, but here's a guy right Alex Jones that that sounds crazy what he just said it's so bizarre what he was saying and he turned he was turned into a meme because of that particular clip but he wasn't wrong he wasn't wrong. No, yeah, the
0: atrazine thing's real for sure, but also <laughs> it's it it's it's not unheard of for that type of organism to become asexual. Oh, okay. I'm That's not true. playing chem, big chem advocate gay, here. Gay
2: frogs <laughs> for higher advocate over here. Mark
0: it, Steve, it's you just know? in that type of. Biomorphology.
2: My, I like my frogs gay. All right. The gayer, the better. So I'm just, just saying it's a lot more feasible
0: that, for man. a frog to become asexual than a human. But hey, I mean, geez, look at the past 10 years.
2: <laughs> you spray atrazine and flush it down your toilet for fun, bro? Just so the frogs turn gay like digger. They're going to be gay anyway. So you'd be gay and proud. dude. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care. I'm not a frog.
0: No, I, oh, I love all animals. And I love the ecosystem. So if we have gay frogs, that's going to lead to a frog genocide because there's not going to be any female frogs to, to lay eggs. So cl- what, read between the lines there, folks. If humanity yep. gets too gay, that's depopulation. So what if their agenda isn't to make us all gay? It's just to make us all gay so we stop having kids.
2: Well, you didn't have to explain it, but yeah, I, I mean, it, anyone with two brain cells to up together could have gotten that one, bro. Like the the frogs are the. I first think about test that somewhere. every day, though. One, it's my, <laughs> I'm,
0: it's all, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, geez, how are all these gay people, like, what what do they what do they think is going on here? You get a free ride, you know? Someone creates you, and then you just opt out of the the life cycle. That's not fair.
2: Listen, do people like what they like? I respect everybody equally. As long as you don't mess with me or my family, it's all good, you know? Whatever you put in your butt in your free time is your own thing.
0: Well, And then what what has caused more people to become gay? Atrazine and these weird chemicals or the idea that the world's overpopulated? The idea that the of A lot of these people in these cities who go and have weird kinko relationships, I'm not talking about... LGBTQ, I'm talking about people who are like couples that don't want to have kids. I'm talking about TMNT, <laughs> Teenage Mutant <laughs> Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Trans. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the the people who are like hetero whatever couples who don't have kids. Like what do you feel th- like what are you thinking? Like you guys got you got into this world? You don't just get, it's not a free ride. Bring someone else into this world. That's how life continues, right? And I don't know. I feel like maybe we what, we just kind of veered into a really controversial subject get here. <laughs> but but it's worth mentioning because, yeah, I, I love all people, but I also think that it is inherently selfish to uh, understand these um Symbiotic concepts, right? Like overpopulation is inherently a flawed concept. I don't necessarily think that there is such thing as overpopulation. I think what it is is, is it population
2: get out of balance. Normally, well, go ahead. Here's here's the thing. I was where I was this past weekend going from from where I'm at now to where I was which was a very small town feel when I was driving around not a lot of traffic you know everyone was super nice I was like wow everyone's so polite and going from that I kind of liked that I was like I could live here right is this someplace in Tennessee I I could live here I can't do the cold but I can do this right everyone's nice it's small there's not a lot of Bro, winter oh, doesn't bro. even
0: exist anymore, dude. Winter's faking gay, dude. We only got like know. six inches of
2: snow all winter, and I live in like a place where they're like, "Oh yeah, we get a lot of snow here." Bro, where is New England? <laughs> where is that? Is that Massachusetts? What? What is that?
1: Are you retarded?
2: <laughs> yes. New yes, England. I am. New England. As a matter of fact, I am. All right. So like
0: New York State kind of looks like a a big mitt with like Long Island Sound as like a thumb stretching out. Everything east of New York state is considered New England. So that's Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont and Maine.
2: Oh, so it's a variety it's a grouping. Okay. So it's not like one yeah. place.
0: You're in the you're in the You have there's a name for the area you're in. It's called Florida. It's huge. (laughs) It's called Florida, bro. But us small states, we get clumped into regions like this. The Mid Atlantic states are Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware. You know, and then there's the there's the,
2: you know, I mean, Jesus. We're we're on the flaccid (laughs) phallus. That is Florida. That is Drake's freaking hog that came out that was on the internet this week. People were were freaking out about that. Draco's hung. Hog. Like a, <laughs> dude is hung like a horse, bro. He the, he's the goat. That's it. He's undefeated, bro. Everything this dude touches turns to gold, and he's hung like a freaking centaur. Now he went so, to China
0: and had some crazy surgery, bro. I, ugh, dude, he got like extra inches added on. He's cheating, dude. <laughs> There's got to be. I think was unworldly. That was like a He's taking <laughs> the 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 Ozempic for dick size.
1: <laughs>
2: Yo, where can we get that, dude? Uh-huh. Where, I was I was gonna go directly on the shaft, like if you had to inject that. I was listening to a
0: podcast where someone made that joke, and they were like, "Imagine if there was Ozempic for dick size. How many guys would be like? I take it. How many guys would like die for a bigger dick? Like, like the I take ladies it. like dying to lose weight. I mean." Yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't see the image. I heard about it, you know, uh, just like I didn't watch the beheading video or any other gruesome shit that gets thrown around on the internet these days. Yeah, I don't watch the beheading it beheading video too? Yeah. When I, when I think of beheading videos, I mean, it's right up there with pictures of Drake's penis. It's all on the same level for me. So I'm just like not interested in well, it, muted
2: anything. a lot of, a lot of words on Twitter. Hmm. And that's Drake's hog still made it through. The dude, there was there was a magnitude four earthquake off the Florida's. I'm just learning about this. What in the heck, dude? So you we were so
0: Drake's penis news rocked you so hard you <laughs> missed the fact that there was an earthquake. Dude, what in the world?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's wild. Wow, that's crazy.
0: I just so, I believe that like all these stories and news. Things like, you know, the more, the more room you have in your brain for stuff like that, the less room you have in your brain for, you know, Morning of the Magicians and all these wacky books we talk about on the show, you know, which I enjoy very much. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the Thing I do. Well, and I know you do. That's why I'm a little surprised that we took this tangent, but that's okay.
2: It, it's uh, so to be clear, I did read Morning of the Magicians, all the parts that had to do with Falconelli, okay. because Bergier is one of the guys that allegedly came into contact with Falconelli, in 1930 something when the years. Nazis were trying to find him right well no no the the precursor to the CIA i think it was the MI i forgot the name of it but yeah the not not the nazis but the government the whatever came before the CIA which was i want to say this. Precursor, hold on, to CIA. The Office of Strategic Services, the OSS. Yeah. yeah. I could have told you that. The OSS was like, yo, how did this guy know about nuclear? What is that? The Philosopher's Stone? Alchemy and the
0: Secret Research for Exotic Matter by Joseph P. Farrell. And it's basically... Oh, but
2: That's an OG, dog."
0: Well, I think it's essentially like Joseph read Morning of the Magicians. It was like, all right, I'm going to take this a step further. Because when I found this book, it was a little bit out of my league because I'm like, okay, yeah, this all makes sense. Like I could see how alchemy and and this, you know, intelligence world and the military overlap like that. But I just, I didn't know enough about alchemy to fully like get into that book. But. I'm almost certain that that's exactly what he's talking about in this. So I think that's going to be the mission for the pod is for me to read Morning of the Magicians and then maybe we'll talk about the Philosopher's Stone <laughs> plus this, cl- you know, clump Philosopher's these books stoned. together.
2: I got somebody on my YouTube that that's their... That's their handle? Yeah, that's their hand. Philosopher's Stoned. That's what we are, that's... dude. I mean... you yeah, I'd be stoned. Still... I'll be smoking some of that at alchema crack. Yeah, you got the, you got
0: your little uh, golden pen of of uh, <clears throat> you know elixir
2: there. Me, I have my beadies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, but I'll, I'll check that out too because there are there is some stuff, and I do I don't have anything coming up here, so I'm gonna I've been podcasting every single day. This is my second podcast of the day. I did two podcasts yesterday. I did two podcasts on Tuesday. Yikes. Your podcast heavy, on... You're podcast heavy, dude. You're carrying a heavy load into the weekend, dog. Well, that's the thing. I'm going to take next week, most of the next week off. Cool. And the week after just to hang out a little bit because the wife's not too happy. I've been podcasting too much. Yeah, so got to make that balance. But yeah, I went out of town, got flown Monday, did a podcast Monday, Tuesday did too. So I've been just cranking these out. But it needs to be done. It needs to be done. We need to protect the frogs from you know
0: what is this "protect our parks" nonsense that Joe Rogan's doing? What about protect our frogs? What about protect our amphibians?
2: Protect our extraterrestrials, bro. And protect yeah, our polywogs. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna read it. I did like I said, I read the parts about Fulconelli interacting with Bergier. And when Falconelli revealed to him the secrets of alchemy, which is an interesting one. But I look look at this, look at this description here. The modern alchemist and the spirit of research, description of what an alchemist does in his laboratory, experiments re- repeated indefinitely. What is he waiting for? The preparation of darkness, electronic gas, water that dissolves, is the philosopher's stone energy in suspension, the transmutation of the alchemist himself. And then the last part of this chapter is this is where true metaphysics begins. Bro, sounds like fire right there. That sounds like some heat right there. That's only one chapter of this whole book. Mm. So it's interesting that you did find that I've been meaning to go. We were get, we were supposed to go when I was in Tennessee to a coffee slash used bookstore, but we ended up we ended up in the studio for like twelve hours that day. So, you know, hanging out. Well, we went to dinner too, but we hung out the whole day. And then Tony wanted to go dog man hunting at night. <laughs> like 30 minutes away from where we're at, I was like, no, dude, I'm a big I'm a big bitch when it comes to that, bro. I can't do demons or anything like that or dogmen. What? You're admitting this on the
0: podcast that you yeah, sm- bro, 100. <laughs> percent
2: You won't catch me. Dude, yeah. I've been hunting before, and one night we were up in a tree stand and mind you, it's pitch dark. We're in the middle of a swamp. And this is over by the, by the space coast, over by Sebastian area, people know, Vero Beach area. And we're up in this tree stand and we would turn on, we're in front of a feeder because we're doing wild hog and we're in front of a feeder and we only have a night vision scope. So we were, we were shooting a crossbow and we had the night vision scope and then we would turn it on periodically to see if there was anything by the feeder. And so me and my friend are talking, come to find out that the area we were at, not far from there off of I-95, there had been a Sasquatch skunk ape sighting almost in broad daylight. It was like a class A sighting or some class B. Like, I don't know how they rang. It was like one of the high right. Like a lot of people had seen it. It was still light out. They saw a skunk ape. Mind you, it was like five aerial miles from where we're at. So, okay, cool. That's fine. You brought me over to the spot where potentially it was a skunk ape. Sure, cool. He's like, oh, yeah, no. And, and, and if anything, I'm scared of people out here. I was like, what do you mean? Because I told him, I said, bro, imagine we turn on the scope. And there's a creature or something staring back at us, like some weird discombobulated like creature just looking at us. Like, what would you do? Would you shoot Bigfoot, bro? If you had the chance to shoot him, like, would you take that shot? Like, if if Bigfoot was looking at you, like, would you take the shot? And so we're talking, he goes, no, no, if anything, I'm afraid of the humans out here. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, one time I had a trail cam set up in front of the feeder. And this guy comes out and no- I'm going to ask him if he has the pictures. This guy comes out of nowhere. No shoes. No shirt. With a rifle in his hand. Goes up to the trail cam. Gives it a thumbs up. And then was out of the frame again. Huh. Those are the people you got to be afraid of. Those are the true monsters that are in these woods. Florida men
0: what if he just knew the f- the trail cam was there?
2: Well, he did know the trail cam was there. But what are you doing barefoot without a shirt on in the swamp, bro? Please explain that to me. You're up there, dog. I don't know. No, 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 no. get out of here, bro. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there's no, no, different no, no. types of people
0: that around there. That's like oh, there is up here. There's like people that leave society and they live in the woods. That's kind of I guess the same thing. I'm not
2: about that life, Mark. (laughs) All right. But hey, at least I'm honest about it. And I'll tell you I'm not about that life. So you're not going to catch me barefoot in the Florida swamps without a shirt on any time of the day. I mean, maybe you'll find me with some regular boots on hunting for hog, which I have. And there was another experience that we had because... I got some behind the scenes previews this past weekend and I kept telling Tony and Joel, I'm like, yo, that was a hog, right? That was a hog, bro. He goes, well, sure. If there was hogs here, there's no hogs. And what hog do you know that stalks people? And I was like, well, I did have an experience one time where we were tracking a hog that we had shot and I've got videos of this and i had a i had a gun on me but i had left the gun back at the camp and we're again middle of the swamps pitch dark we're tracking this how we're looking for blood on the ground trying to find where it's going to lay down and we hear something walking Right at the edge of where we were at. Like it wasn't. We couldn't see what it was, but it was deliberately staying at the edge of where we were. And I'm asking my buddy who's got more experience. He's he's wearing Crocs in, in the swamp. Like he's he's all more comfortable than me. He goes out by himself in the middle of the night. Like he's good. Right. Like we're he's he's a redneck. I'm not Right. So he goes, oh, do you have your gun? I was like, no, bro, I don't got my gun on me, dude. He's like, well, damn, bro. Well, whatever that thing is, it's big. Whatever it is, it's not showing itself. But we kept, after that, we kept going. But I was like, is it the hog that we're tracking? He goes, no, I don't think she would stay around because once you wound the animal, it's going to run until it either bleeds out or... You know, if you you shot it through the lungs, it's going to eventually collapse. I hadn't shot it through the lungs. I clipped the lungs. I just barely clipped the lungs. It was a gut shot. And so we didn't end up finding it that night. He ended up finding it the day after. But it wasn't where that sound was at. You know, she ended up laying somewhere and dying somewhere off, like close to where we were at. But whatever that sound was that we heard on the edge there. Was it could have been another hog, but it's weird because when you pull up on them, they book it. And this thing was sti- the weird part was that it was sticking around. <laughs> you know, it, like it was sticking around almost like it was waiting for us or something. But I don't know, bro. I mean, it's a fl- could have been a skunk ape, dude. Yeah. Who knows? But. All right. So you, you don't. It's
0: not, you know. For no reason that you have that much caution. Okay, I respect it.
2: That's why I keep the ten millimeter always on <laughs> the chest holster because you just don't ever know. I don't know if I, because there's stories of people who are like they see skunk ape or whatever and it starts to telepathically communicate with them like don't shoot. Mm. Have you ever heard that story? You heard that story of that guy? Yeah. That- I mean I don't know if I believe in that dude like
0: Well I I mean dude I've heard a story about Sasquatch killing somebody and I'm like how do we know that that wasn't just like a person blaming oh, Sasquatch Yeah see <laughs> right and like what if that's how a lot of these I mean I, I literally heard this on a comedy podcast yesterday shout out to our our god Shane Gillis uh, he made the joke of like yeah what if Sasquatch is just like some dude killed somebody and was like, no, it was a chupacabra, I swear. Like, there's a chupacabra around here. And then like Joe Rogan and, and Matt McCusker were laughing. Yeah. Like, that's all cryptids are. It's just dumbasses making excuses. But I, I don't know. I, I think there's a there's a case to be made that these things are a product of our consciousness in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, the forest, like, brings on a different level of projection capability where like what if actual figments of your imagination could take form in places where you are the only one for miles and miles around so like these people have like a real visceral experience of something that is real and it takes an imaginal form using their conscious energy like it actually exists independent of them but a yeah, egregore. Well, yeah. and and also it's like if you were walking into the forest with thirty people, because maybe only five percent of them or five out of the thirty believe in the phenomena, it wouldn't be able to appear like that. It might appear like a a wood knock or a stone yeah. being thrown, you know. So that's I, I like to think in those terms that like maybe we're interacting with these places in this feedback loop kind of way where like mm-hmm. these beings don't really show themselves that way unless we're there to see it like the whole if a tree falls in the forest does it make a sound um i think there's some truth to that i don't remember where i've heard that but it's the observer effect essentially yeah. right so yeah I, I mean if if these beings were like bears or you know you know, alligators or, or another creature that we can like trap and, and hunt, then, then they, they would have been trapped and hunted by now. You know, I think uh, these, I are, these beings are either something above us that we just don't have, you know, the conscious ability to perceive in a way that would make them pray for us. You know, well, I mean, there's species of animals that went undiscovered up until like
2: scene, a I mean. couple
0: hundred years ago. Well, even the mountain gorilla, like, until somebody went looking for it, it was a myth. And a scientist. The went, mountain gorillas then? People before 1880 or 90, it could have even been later than that. People didn't believe in gorillas as a real creature. They just thought that that was something <laughs> that Africans made up, like a myth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then scientists actually had to go out and, and, yeah, and they went into the rainforest where you find them and they were like, oh, yeah, no, these. African people are telling the truth, but, wow. that, but that's prejudice too. You know, like there was tons of cultural prejudices, and obviously the people who lived in Africa knew about these things forever, at least in the immediate area. But oh, gorillas are beautiful, man. They're they're such interesting creatures. I'll
2: rip you apart, bro. Well, look I'll up their arms out of your sockets.
0: Go to the wiki page, and you, it'll say when they disco- when they were quote unquote discovered by science. Um, probably will say it
2: in like uh, maybe so in October 1902 yeah. Captain Robert von Beering shot two large apes during an expedition to establish the boundaries of Germany East Africa one of the apes was recovered et cetera. Et cetera. 1925
0: right and that's those are the guys that are in the Tarzan movie when they're like playing oh. the sad music and they're shooting the gorillas <laughs>
2: They're playing dude, the... this dude stash, bro. Look at this guy stash.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what they would do back then. They had these crazy looking mustachioed science guys go out into the rainforest, to shoot a bunch of animals with darts, and take them back to zoos. But before that, they didn't like half of the known animals in the world were considered like possibly not real. But also, you know, back then, like maybe they didn't really. Like, our idea of myth is being retroactively applied to them. You know, maybe all creatures were considered real. They just didn't really think of things in terms of real or not, right? So, Mm -hmm. it it was more localized. Like, you would have myths about the creatures that were in your vicinity and things that were outside of your vicinity were just less tangible. Like the gorilla. It doesn't... I'm... This is I'm seeing just mostly biological information. Yeah. You might need to type in like the history of of the of the gorilla or something like that. The history of human interaction with the gorilla, outside of Wikipedia, to get something like that. But yeah, it's a fascinating story. We kind of talked about it a little bit when when we talked about the Ivan T. Sanderson thing, but.
2: Huh. Yeah, I'm trying to find it here,
0: but... It did say the nomenclature of for the word gorilla is very old, so that suggests that, yeah, people saw them a long time ago and like brought Earth the, the...
2: engines. Yeah, we were
0: talking about these guys.
2: Huh. Well, maybe... A rough the, translation of which meant hairy person.
0: Mm. Maybe they were describing mountain gorillas and they found mountain gorillas on that island we talked about. I took it as, yeah. you know, like some sort of other humanoid but i mean back then like i said gorillas were equally unknown to the world
2: of quote-unquote science so right here during the 16th century an english right. sailor by the name of andrew Batel was captured by portuguese in west africa he spoke of he spoke of two man-like apes today easily recognize as chimpanzees and gorillas that would visit the campfire when it was unattended. The mountain gorilla was first discovered by a German officer named Captain, Captain Robert von Behring in 1902 prior to this time. Only lowland gorillas were known to exist. The mountain gorilla's subspecies so name is derived from Captain Robert Van Behring's last name. Gorilla Beringai... guy. I guess that's how you say it. But yeah, that's that's interesting, dude. It was encrypted until it was discovered.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess, and it it did say that the lowland gorilla was known about, but but yeah, I guess highland gorillas are distinctly different, but they look very similar. I don't know. Maybe the silverback gorilla is is like the highland one. But either way, uh, this is a good place to wrap up. We got to some animal news without even trying. This is a fixture of our alchemy show. We talk about alchemy and animals. So if you like Joe Rogan, it's it's kind of like that show where they talk about animals. No, even,
2: even better than Joe Rogan, bro.
0: Well, they were having a pretty dope discussion about bears, and I thought we were going to talk about bears today because of that. And I'm like, nah, we can't just ride Rogan's coattails. We're better than that. We're in our own yeah, podcasting lane. And, uh, yeah, if folks want to hear more of the podcastical stylings of Juan and Mark, uh, we've got a show that we do on our Patreons, and this is kind of like a, a preview for that in a way. And, then, yeah, this is an hour and a half, so I think this is good. We just post this, and, I don't know, we talked about putting one of the older episodes out for free, so maybe we'll do that, too, to give people you know a preview. But I think this was a good enough preview, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure to check out chosenhuan.com for the Kickstarter of issue two. Mark's in that. Patreon.com slash the one on one podcast. TJOJP.com. Yes. I'm like on this Owner's Manual. You want to see me doing stuff like this shooting crystals out of my hand.
0: <laughs> out of your
2: ass, bro. I'm going to, yeah. the next issue, you're going to shoot a crystal out of your ass.
0: Oh, (laughs) it better be like Tektite or like uh, some sort of a meteoric type of crystal rock. I'll make sure it's gearier than that. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. Well, until next time, folks, get folked.